Good morning to everyone. What a beautiful day the Lord has blessed us with. We thank him for his generosity, for the whole earth is full of his glory, and he allows us to be partakers of his creation. So we thank him this morning. So let us go before the Lord. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for waking us up this morning, bringing us through the night watch. We thank you for all that you have provided, Lord God, and are yet to provide. We thank you for your loving kindness wherewith you have drawn us to you, Lord. We thank you, O God, for being our Father and our God, our Deliverer, our Provider, our Protector. You are so many things, O God. You are our Healer. So we bless you this morning. As this message, this lesson goes forth, Lord, let it bring you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, good morning, everyone. Today, we will be talking about total obedience, and I will be coming from 1 Kings chapter 20. That's going to be my reference scripture, 1 Kings chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 19. It's going to spill over into 20, but we want to start at 19, where it's talking about Elijah, Elijah. Because sometimes when we pronounce the two names, they sound so much alike, we get them mixed up. It's L-E-L-I-J-A-H, Elijah. And how he had just, hallelujah, finished killing the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And then when Jezebel finds out, then she promises to kill him the same way by the next day. Elijah saw the fear of the words. He was reading the note that she sent to him. And these words that she pinned on a piece of paper brought fear into him to the point that he ran. And the Bible tells us he ran and left his servant. And he went and sat under a juniper tree. And he fell asleep. And then an angel, God sent an angel to touch him. And said to him, arise and eat. God fed him even in his hour of distress. And he looked and behold, there was a cake vacant on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and he laid himself back down. You know, when we are depressed, severely depressed, and I have been there, I've experienced it. There's no joy in us. There's no pursuit of life in us is there's no satisfaction in us it has all been drained out because of one thing or another but when you're extremely depressed all you want to do is sleep you want to sleep your life away at least that's what I wanted I wanted to go to sleep I wasn't even thinking about if I died where I would wake up And I know somebody knows exactly what I'm talking about. I wasn't thinking like that. I was depressed because depression is a spirit. It's one of them strong men's spirits. And once it really sinks in and gets a hold of us, it's hard to shake it off by yourself. Because first of all, you don't even realize you're depressed. Everybody on the outside of us knows it, but we don't recognize we're in depression. And depression doesn't like to let go, but There is hope for you because it's a spirit and that spirit can be cast out. 
So there is deliverance for anyone who is depressed. You have to do two or three things. One, you have to admit you got a problem. You have to admit you're depressed. A lot of people, when you tell them they're depressed, they want to deny it. They want to argue with you. But their attitude and their body language is all saying depression. Their kids don't halfway see them. Uh, why are people taking antidepressant medicine if depression was not real? But depression is a spirit and it can be cast out in Jesus' name. And so here Elijah was depressed. And the Lord told him after he went through the experience of the wind came, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. The fire came, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. The earthquake came, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. Then a still small voice came and God was in the still small voice. After this experience, God has his attention. But see, God requires total obedience because what God was about to tell Elijah, Elijah was going to have to exercise obedience, total obedience. Because, you know, sometimes when we get mad because people offend us, things hurt our feelings, things don't go the way we plan for them to go. We once, you know, that egg has hatched and we're looking at the fruit of it. We're saying, forget it. And we're going to go look for something else to do. Instead of pressing past it, instead of going on in pursuit of what God said, we want to throw in the towel and give up. Been there, done that, and I got the t-shirt. It happens. But God is a deliverer. God sees us even when we're going through that mess. God has a plan for us. Everything that he trains us with is not all a bed of roses. God has to also train us with hardship. God also has to train us with isolation. God also has to train us with uh, troubles, afflictions. Because the Bible says, if you shall leave godly, you're going to suffer persecution. And the Bible says, through much tribulation, tribulation is trouble. This is how we enter the kingdom of God. So don't never think that you're going to bask in the presence of God and his blessings, and you don't have no trouble in your life. Just know you're not in it by yourself. Glory be to God. Because who can be against you when God is on your side? Even in the midst of what you're going through, God is right there. The Bible says that he is in the midst of the trouble with us. We can call on him at any time. And God is right there. We just have to remember that when we're going through things. Back to the lesson. And so the Lord said to Elijah, go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elijah, the E-L-I-S, H-A, the son of Shaphat, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in your place. Because everyone has a successor. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay. And him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elijah slay. God sets things up 
with purpose. Nobody escapes. Whatever God calls it, it's going to come to pass. Amen. And that's verse 16. Okay, when we drop down to verse 18, it says, Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which have not kissed him. See, Elisha's problem was, and been there, done it, got the t-shirt. I've seen other people go through it as well. And this is the beginning of the depression stage. I call it the Elijah syndrome. Hallelujah. How you sit there and you watch other people do the same thing you were doing. You got caught. Somebody corrected you. It was in love, but they corrected you. And you're looking at them and it's like nobody even sees what they're doing. Nobody even hears the words that they're saying. And it kind of messes with your heart if you don't be careful. And so Elijah had come to this place where he felt he was the only one left in Israel that even cared. He was the only righteous person left. Nobody else loved God but him. You know, and a lot of us rejected the press prophets. That's how we feel. That why am I even still here? So we live, leave the appointed place God sent us to. And we go church hopping, trying to find somewhere we think we can sit and fit in. But you know, God knows how to expose you. And when he calls you out, you only get even more upset and you start running again. But you know, you can't run and hide from God. God knows everywhere that we are. God requires total obedience. God is not going to let us alone until we give him what he wants. He's sovereign, so he can do that. Amen. You say, well, that ain't fair. Look at them. What did Jesus tell Peter when they were walking after the resurrection and Jesus came back and they were walking? And Jesus said, Peter, lovest thou me more than all of these? He said, Lord, you know, I love you. But he asked him that three times. And then he said, well, what about him? Which he was referring to John, who was walking a little distance behind them. And he said, don't worry about him. If I want to let him live until the rapture takes place. I'm sorry. I can do what I want. I'm paraphrasing. You worry about what I told you to do. You worry about you staying on course. You fulfilling your call. And so we can't be looking at other people, whether they got caught or whether somebody knows what they're doing or whatever, because it causes us to be bitter prophets, bitter prophets. God can't use you bitter prophets. God wants to spew you out of his mouth because he called you with a purpose. Yes. You're going to go through some stuff. Yes. You get upset. Yes. Things are hard sometimes, but was it easy for Jesus? No, it was not easy for Jesus. Just go back and read the four gospels. It was not easy for Jesus, not a day of his life. Once he became of age to step into ministry, it was not easy for him. People wanted to kill him. People wanted to make him do stuff. That's not what he came to do. People wanted to label him and that's not who he was. It was always something. Even when the demons were coming after him, have you come to torment me before my time? Okay, they're rushing him and he just stands there 
in silence and looks at them. And then he says, come out of him. We have to understand we work for God. Once you accept his way of salvation, once you become a born again uh, believer and your kingdom, your kingdom now is in heaven. Your life is now in heaven. You don't belong to yourself. You don't belong to the world. You belong to God. God has every right, every right to, to say, excuse me, to say, I want you to do this or that. I'm calling you for this hour. I, if he doesn't use you but one time in your lifetime, that's his sovereign will. He can do whatever he wants to do. He's God. Count it a privilege and serve him with gladness because he chose you. Hallelujah. Don't always be murmuring, complaining because this one rejected you or they don't listen to you. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. They don't never use me. God has appointed time for everything. And when your time comes to be used, you're going to wish you were still sitting there complaining because he's going to use you. And you're going to say, Dad, I'm only one person. Can somebody help me? No, God chose you to do it in Jesus' name. So serve the Lord with gladness. Do it with total obedience. The Bible says in Isaiah 1, 18, though your sins be as scarlet, you shall be whiter than snow. And it says, for those that are willing and obedient, they will eat the good of the land. Don't you want to eat the best? Don't you want to have the best? Don't you want God to bless you with the best? I'm not talking about according to the world's standards. I'm talking about God now. Don't you want God's best? Well, all he's asking for in return is total obedience. When God says, get up and go, he wants us to get up and go. When God says, go pray for that one, you need to go pray for that one, whoever it is, whether you're by yourself or with somebody else. If God says, get up and pray, get up and pray. You ain't got to know why. Just get up and pray. Just start praying in tongues. The spirit knows exactly what it's saying and what it's asking for. And you pray until that pressure lifts up off of you. This is intercessor and prophet alike. We need to be obedient to God. Hallelujah. So the scripture says, So Elijah departed from there and found Elijah, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he with the 12th, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle, which would today be our talith, which is our prayer shawl. He cast it upon him and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother. Then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, go back again. For what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen, slew it, and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. And in all that transpired between him and Elijah, Elijah learned obedience unto God. 
The Bible tells us that even Christ, he learned obedience through the suffering that he encountered. You wonder why you suffer so much and you think it's not fair. You're going to learn obedience through the suffering. You're going to learn to utterly depend on God for your every need and survival, which leads to obedience to God. You will come to understand whether you can see it or not, whether you have revelation or experienced it or not, you can come to see that you didn't like how it felt when it was upon you. You can imagine what somebody else feels and they don't know God the way that you know him. So when God says, my name is Stacy. When God says, Stacy, I want you to go to the mall at nine o'clock a.m. tomorrow morning. Lord, tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning is Sunday. Today's Saturday. You want me to miss Sunday school to go to the mall? Get no answer. Then I hear it later while I'm washing dishes. Stacy, I want you to go tomorrow to the mall at nine o'clock in the morning. Okay, Lord. So on my way to Sunday school, Sunday school starts at 930. I go to the mall because the closest mall to me is Washington Square Mall. I go to the mall. They're just opening up the doors. I go in. I don't know where I'm supposed to go because I didn't get that in the instruction. So I just start walking around praying because I wasn't sure why I was even in there. So I just like a walking exercise. I just walked down every corridor in that mall and I was praying under my breath to God. I was speaking, praying in tongues because the spirit knew glory to God. Now, I'm not saying I did this for real. I'm using it for an example because God can do this. And if he does say this to us, we need to obey him. Okay. Upon finishing the uh, praying, I didn't see nobody. I didn't encounter nobody. I didn't feel like there was a burden still upon me. So I go ahead and leave. I go on to Sunday school. I'm late, but I get there anyway. Only to hear on the five o'clock news. Glory be to God. To hear on the five o'clock news that somebody was attempting to plant a bomb in the mall. And because, you know, you don't know where in the mall, you, you walk the whole length and diameter of the mall, which covered the whole mall. Their plan failed because God intervened. Now, if I hadn't obeyed God, now, again, this is a scenario. If I hadn't obeyed God, who knows what would have happened? Somebody could have lost their life. But when God says, get up and go, we need to learn to get up and go. And it don't matter what our agenda is. It doesn't matter what we are doing at the time. We have to obey the voice of the Lord. Elijah became a prophet by forsaking his life as a farmer and becoming an attendant to Elijah. Now I'm told, I've heard it taught that the only thing Elijah did was he followed Elijah around and he poured water on his hands. Bible doesn't record him doing anything else concerning Elijah. But you know, 
that made him a, an attendant. He learned obedience. So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen, strangled them. He burnt the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. First Kings 19, 21. There must be a radical pursuit of Jesus to get the pure word of the Lord. I'm going to say that again. There must be radical pursuit of Jesus to get the pure word of the Lord. We don't want to give just any word. We want to give the pure word of the Lord, untainted, unadulterated, the pure word of the Lord. Mature prophets are, are so in love with Jesus and submitted to his lordship that they are willing to see the word come back into his into his hand after receiving it they won't care whether it is used or simply poured out on the ground not used as an offering to the lord words received and given from such a heart of obedience give more life and blessing than those presumptuously spoken hallelujah and that came from the book the elijah list there must be we must do something different because the same old same old's not working we need to get stirred up because if we're going to do this for the lord the people don't need to see us mundane relaxed there look like there's no life in us we do look still look rejected and and depressed oppressed dismayed discouraged we just out there going through the motion no that ain't gonna move nobody that's not gonna win nobody it's not gonna convince or persuade anybody it must be a radical pursuit of jesus and if it's a radical pursuit of jesus well then it's gonna show there's gonna be some excitement there there's gonna be some um persuasion there there's gonna be a difference there people are gonna look at you and say that must be God because don't look like he'd be doing it himself or herself. Glory be to God. Do not despair because of their apparent disqualification. Some of the people God tells us to go to don't even look like they're worth us saying anything to them. That's not our agenda. That's not our job or our place to judge like that. We cannot be dismayed. We cannot be despaired. Uh, because God knows exactly what he's doing and he chose us for a reason. None of them will shut you out from the, the ascents of the voice of God. Notwithstanding all, the word of the Lord shall come to you, not for your sake alone. It's never for your sake alone. God gives it to you, but it doesn't remain with you. You have to impart it to somebody else, others. But for those to whom you shall be sent, once God gives us, glory be to God, hallelujah, once God gives us the message, he sends us to who he wants us to give it to. At that point, you're like a mailman. It's not up to you, or should I say a mail carrier? It's not up to us how they act when they receive it, how they respond what they look like, whether they get excited or not. That's not up to us. We just have to be obedient and we have to deliver the message. Amen. 
The one thing that God demands of you is absolute consecration to his purpose and willingness to go on any errand on which he may send you. Hallelujah. A dead man is a dangerous man. He cannot be intimidated or threatened. That's really a good thing. Hallelujah. He can't be moved. When God sends us somewhere, we become a sent one. You can't allow the cares of this world or people to move you. I tell people all the time when I see them getting upset and offended, I said, don't allow that person to move you out of position where God has you. You need to stay where God can see you. When you get upset and you disappear or go hiding and isolate yourself, you decide you want to go sit in somebody else's church. Unless God sent you to somebody else's church, you need to stay in your own church because God has something for you. Hallelujah. It was not their dress habits, dress habits, or lifestyles that identified them as prophets. It was their constant ministry backed up with holiness of character. Did we hear that? That comes from the book Advancing in the Prophetic, page 15. A dead man is a dangerous man. He cannot be intimidated. You can't intimidate the dead because they're no longer listening. They can't hear you. Hallelujah. They can't be moved by emotion because they're dead. You can't threaten them. You can threaten, say, if you don't get up, I'm going to run over you with my bike. They're not going to get up because they're dead. So a dead man is a dangerous man, but only dead men see God. You can't see God as long as you're in this flesh. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says no flesh will be justified in his sight. No flesh. And as long as you're alive, you're in this flesh. Once you're dead, you're no longer in the body because you done moved out. You can stand in the presence of God and see him face to face. Hallelujah. We await that day. Hallelujah. And when you look at the way our world is going now, the time scale of the world, it ain't going to be long. Hallelujah. It may come at the end of my life span or it may come after I'm gone. I don't know. But glory be to God, I want to make sure when it's my time to lay this tent down that I done put my house in order and I'm ready to go and nothing shall prevent me from getting up when he comes to wake me up in the name of Jesus. God is looking for total obedience. It's not hard. The only time it becomes hard is when we uh, are fighting with God. When our flesh is in the way, yeah, then it becomes very hard because your flesh wants to rule. Your flesh wants to control, okay? Your, God says, don't look at movies like that because it, it contaminates your spirit and it causes your ears to shut up where you can't hear me and it puts evil intent in your heart and it causes you not to be able to see when I want to give revelation. But your flesh is saying, oh, it ain't that bad. Just look at it. It's just on the bad parts. You either fast forward it or look another direction. 
You can look at that movie. You stay up all night looking at this movie. Then you wonder why you have nightmares. You wonder why you can't sleep. You wonder why you got an attitude when you get up and you're taking it out on your loved ones. It's because you didn't obey God. You sat there and let the content of that movie that you're streaming on your TV to get into your spirit. Now you're battling and you need deliverance. We must learn to be obedient, totally obedient. God's looking for instant obedience. Some people's life depends on your obedience to God. Hallelujah. Been there, done that. Got t-shirt on that too. It applies to all of us, not just a few. We must learn to follow God's leading. Follow his leading. God will never steer us wrong. And he sent back the Holy Spirit of God to lead and guide us into all truth. He will never and has never led us wrong. He will never disobey God because he's God's spirit. He will never lie to you because he's God's spirit. And if God can't lie, how can the Holy Spirit lie? The Holy Spirit is God's spirit. Just like when you breathe, inhale and exhale, that's your spirit that came from God. Okay. Through sin, we contaminated the spirit of man, but God's spirit is not, don't belong to man. God can take it whenever he wants to. And the Bible says that God's uh, spirit of God will not always abide with man. Because one day God's going to say, you'll take time's up. Spirit, come home. He takes his spirit back. And without his spirit, you're nothing but a piece of clay laying on the ground. A lot of people think they're.